yeah, uh, Randall just said, why are you here? Um, <laughs> well, we'll take a collection, sing an invitation song, and I'm leaving. I'm off till next Sunday. It is actually good to be back. Thanks for all who prayed for us. You know, it's just a virus, and it hits at the same time as the allergies, but um, because of a lung condition I've had for a couple decades now, uh, that becomes kryptonite. So thank you, uh, and I'm very, you, you didn't miss me, you did great. We have a story today which is very often skipped over or read, and we look at each other and go, okay, and move on, without realizing it's foundational. And that it's an earthquake that Jesus unleashed. So we're going to look at it today. Robert read it so well. Uh, and it, normally, if we go there, we'll talk about, well, he came at night. And I wonder why that was. And born again, well, we know what that is. And then we move along. No. There's something going on here. Nicodemus is an honorable man. By the way, I don't know how many times I've heard people say, he was afraid, so he came by night. That's never implied. Normally, people work during the day. So he came at night. He's an honorable man. He's a man in search of the truth. He is willing to listen. He is a Pharisee, which was not a bad thing. They were trying to follow the law of God the best they could. They had just taken a path that wasn't getting them where they needed to be. And therefore, they came into conflict with Christ, but not all of them. By any stretch of the imagination, Nicodemus is here. He's a Pharisee and a member of the ruling counselor, but he comes to Jesus by night. He seems absolutely sincere when he calls Jesus rabbi, which means teacher. And it's a respected high title among the Jews. Yes, there is some talk of baptism here, but you might not be aware of this. Baptism back then was extremely common. And everybody understood baptism. They understood it meant a dedication. However, what you may not realize is that when you followed a rabbi, it was, the way you showed that was you were baptized to that rabbi. Remember when Paul says, I don't know to whom you were baptized that's what he means. Which rabbi are you following? And so whenever he calls him rabbi, that's actually a, a pretty good thing here. And he believes that Jesus comes from God. He says, we know that you are a teacher, a rabbi come from God, because no one can do the things that you have done unless they come from God. So he believed. Now, before you say, yes, he believed, but he even says it's because he saw the, the miracles. Please remember, a great many people saw the miracles and didn't believe. Give this man credit, all the credit in the world. But then Jesus spends zero time in small talk. You know, good, glad you came here, how the wife, kids. He doesn't do any of this. Instead, when you read it, it looks like someone's left a page or two out of the story. But that's just the way stories were told in Jesus' day. In John 3, 3, Jesus replies, there wasn't a question. It just means this is what Jesus said after Nicodemus said these nice things. He says, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. Amen. Now, the Greek here has a surprise for us. But sadly, it's not obvious in our Bibles. The word again has another meaning. 
it was, you have to go to the context to figure out which meaning it was supposed to have. We have a lot of words like that in the English language as well, in every language. And so, what, what does it mean? Again, be born again. Do you know that that word also means from above? And we might think, well, then why don't people translate it that way? Some do. But once something becomes so ingrained into our society, it is hard to pull it out. For example, the word baptism is a made-up word. It is, we take the Greek word, baptizo, or one of its forms, and we switch out Greek letters for English letters, and we call that a word. No, the word means immersion. But try to write a Bible and put immersion in there. Alexander Campbell did. Didn't fly. People are, no, 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 no. It gets ingrained. All right? Maybe we should look at that different meaning. Nicodemus, understandably, is questioning what Jesus has said. He takes that first meaning. That's what he runs with. Is, is Jesus being intentionally obtuse, esoteric? I mean, we've all, I say we've all, I assume we've all come across some Eastern philosophy sometime in our lives. And uh, with all due respect to Eastern philosophers, it seems weird. And it doesn't sound like the answer to the question is what you asked. There are, there are many light bulb jokes about everybody. And one of my favorites is, uh, how many Zen Buddhists does it take to change a light bulb? And the answer is a fish. That's what I'm talking about. The, the response doesn't always help you. Is that what this is? Jesus was Eastern. I don't think so. I think Nicodemus heard the first meaning of the word, and so he asked, can a man be, go back into the womb and be born? It's impossible. In other words, it is impossible to be acceptable to God. It is impossible to be saved, because that was his question. That's why he had come. And he's going, it's impossible. But Jesus meant from above. The Pharisees were very, very strict about their requirements and outer obedience to the law. They had a long list of everyday requirements that you had to go through to prove that you were acceptable to God and also acceptable to them. And the sad thing is, once you develop a system, you end up making your system your God. So that if they are acceptable to the system, then they're acceptable to God. And if they're acceptable to God, then they're going to be acceptable to the system. You see how that works? And you best not change it about. And I use this sometimes, um, the Lord's Supper is an illustration, because you know, I can remember times when I was a boy, the men would get up, it was always men. I'm so glad the Holy Spirit gets to talk through women too. And here, the, well done you. Uh, anyway, um, get behind a table, very formal. They generally read 1 Corinthians, you know, and they then I can remember times where they started with the cup the little cup of juice, not the bread, and the horror in the room. What do we do? Now, you couldn't call out because that's not in our system. So what would happen is the first person would just, and, they, and somebody then would run up, oh, and they'd all have to regroup up front and start again. And, that, and I'm not making fun of them, by the way. They were doing this because they wanted to please God. They were wanting this to be right. 
Don McLaughlin, uh, an amazing minister down in Atlanta, Georgia, he and I are good friends, and he, long story, I won't go into that, but the, he and his family decided after they'd never gone to church, it was a good thing to maybe try one. And they arrived, and oh, great news, the luck they had, because the front row was empty, and they were a bit late, so they all ran up and jumped on that one, he said, you know, who gets this? This is exciting. So then the Lord's Supper comes, they had no idea what was happening. And the man came and handed them the plate, and they looked down. There were four crackers, is what they saw. They looked, there were four of them. They each took one, <laughs> handed it back to the guy, and the guy was frozen in place. And they were thinking, all right, what do I do? Thank you. And, and he still didn't move. Thank you very much. You know, it, was, it was a struggle. We get in our systems and we think that has to be, you have to do the system. Well, their intentions, the Pharisees, I believe were very good, but they left untouched the inner life of the believer. They assumed that getting the outer life right would mean that the inner life was right, but they were wrong. And so are all of the churches that have followed in these footsteps. Jesus brings it home. In verses 5 through 8, he says, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of heaven unless they're born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wishes. I know it sounds like a fish. Hold on. You hear it sound, but you cannot tell where it came from or where it's going. So is it with everyone born of the Spirit. Now, we read this when I was a boy in our tribe, and we used it as another get you for baptism. Baptism is important. You, you need to be baptized. And we will get to you if you haven't been. We'll find a way to get you baptized. Because it's important to declare what rabbi you're following. Who is your leader? And the scripture says, there are benefits. You get the Holy Spirit. You also, sin's forgiven. This is a good thing. But is that what he's talking about here? Is that, so all right, now what we have to do then is lock this down into a form. When I was a wee boy, my dad was a minister. And uh, he started several congregations. And therefore, we were always generally in a small, poor area trying to build up a group. And he'd built up this group enough to where they needed a bit more room in the auditorium. So they just tore the back out of the building and put up some framing. And until they could actually get those walls in, they'd, they had uh, sheets hung on wires or, or cords or, or clothesline, perhaps, uh, blocking off behind the preacher. Well, somebody, a, a young lady, came to be baptized. And so now the, the dressing rooms are all sheets and cords. No, not that. Something else is going to happen. So here, my dad goes in the water and then comes in this young lady and um, dad's baptizing her when all of a sudden they had a visitor because her mom was holding a sheet looking forward to see everything and the sheet gave. And water went to the second, third row. Not a sound because we knew we're not allowed to make any. We all sat there acting like we had not seen anything. And then the song leader gets up because you have to sing a bit. Well, they change back into, you know, the other clues. And he said, would you turn to number 230? And he cracked up. And that just, 
that, you know, I was thinking, all right, we're all going to hell because you can't laugh. You can't laugh in church. God does not have a sense of humor. At that time, I had not seen a platypus. Uh, the, <laughs> we were locked into a system that sucked the joy out. This is one of the most profound and important sayings of Jesus, and we skip right past it, acting like we got it. Don't do that. Have a look. We, when I was a boy, we thought it was our job to make converts. And generally speaking, that meant from other Christian groups. We just didn't call them Christian. That's how we got past it. It was basically sheep rearranging was all that we were doing. I can't remember any atheist or agnostics, really, that we brought in. We talked about them a lot, but I don't think we brought any in. But we were sincere. We thought, this is what God has called us to do. We would push baptism hard, and we knew the passages where it was stressed. Now, anybody under 40 here, I'm going to have to explain something to you. Back in the day, there was no internet, no cell phones. Ooh. And so, we had these books that were published called Choose Your Own Adventure. Do you remember any of that? You do. It, these, these were stories that it would come like, now you're at a cleft, or now there's, you, know, you hear a noise behind you. What do you do? You do this, you turn to page this. If you do this, you turn to page this. And it was all to weave through the story. And it was re really exciting stuff. Well, when I was a boy, we had Bibles printed by the Star Bible Publishing. Well, we actually had New Testament and Psalms, because the rest of it we didn't, you know. Uh, New Testament and Psalms. And you'd go to baptism and say, now go, uh, at the bottom there'd be print, now go to this page. You know, that was, here's the highlighted verse. Now go to the, we didn't have them read the Bible. We just chose your own adventure through. And we got the story, we ended. Our correspondence courses, our film strips, our tracks, our sermons, all pointed to baptism. And we adopted the early American um, idea of the altar call, but we didn't call it an altar call. We called it an invitation song for somebody to come forward to be baptized. We often mentioned, because we weren't stupid, we often mentioned that baptism was not supposed to mark the end of your journey, but the beginning. But we really weren't clear on what that meant. After baptism, we did that little five-finger exercise, you, you hear, believe, repent, be baptized. It's, and by the way, that's been used now for about 200 years, and people keep changing it. You know, so I keep thinking, I need more fingers or we need standardization. One of the two. But after baptism, we would say, live faithfully. By we live faithfully, we meant stay true to the system. Believe what we believe, do what we do in the way that we do it. Church organization, everything else, left untouched, inner life, being born from above. Jesus is telling Nicodemus that God is more interested in the inner life than the religious leaders of the day could imagine. You must be born from above. And then what about that wind thing? You must move wherever the Spirit moves you. And what do people do? They come to God and they lock it down. Rather than just, Jesus is saying, you have no idea where you're going. If you've got a predictable religion, if you've got a religion that you know exactly what's going to happen on a Sunday, you know exactly what you're supposed to do during the week, you, you are sincere, and I still believe God's going to save you, and you're going to love heaven, but you don't have to be in the box. 
you're missing out. You can be free. Do you know, life with God's not predictable. It's not known. It's not a published set of rules. But it's a relationship with a living, moving, active God. Many of you know the story that when Moses went up into the mountain to get the Ten Commandments, he, he was up there a long time. They figured he's dead now. So, you know, Aaron decides he's got to get everybody organized. And they built the fatted calf. And we use the term fatted calf because King James people did that. Just means fat cow. Put it up there. And I've heard all my life that they worshiped a cow. No, they didn't. Aaron says, this is Yahweh who led you out of, uh, of slavery. In other words, it wasn't to replace God. It was to make God understandable. And God was furious. Because God cannot be depicted by outer faithfulness, outer systems, or statues. I literally know nothing about what I'm about to use as an illustration. So please forgive Again, when I was a boy, I came across some sheets at a person's house, and I, they were footprints with dots, and then more footprints. And I thought, what, what were these? And I was told by the people there that these taught you how to dance, that evidently there was a guy named Arthur Murray who did a show. Oh, we, got, we're, we have some people. Interesting, it's the Medicare people who are laughing at this stage. <clears throat> But you would put, evidently, you'd put, we didn't dance because we were Christian. But you'd put the, the sheets down and you'd have to put your feet here. And then at a certain signal, maybe he had a teleprogram or something, but you would put your feet over here and then, oh, look at you, you're dancing. <clears throat> you know, and we can laugh at this, as we should, because it's funny, but... I see people still do that when I walk by arcades. They just call it Dance Revolution now. And basically, they're hopping all over lights. And I'm going, chickens do that at the state fair. <laughs> they do. They play tic-tac-toe. You can't beat them. You know why? Because they're hitting a light. That's all that it is. But what I do know is that if you took those papers to the dance hall and rigidly adhered to the footprints, you would not be considered a dancer. Dancing... I guess can only really come from the inside and being flexible and responsive to whatever happens with your partner. It wasn't until, I'd say, seven, eight years ago that I realized that prayer, our songs about prayer, Sweet Hour, Prayer, all of those are in waltz time. And it hit me go, oh, because I'd always done the British commando version of prayer. Get in, do your job, get out. That's it. Right, God, here's the list. I'll, I'll see you next time I have another list. And it, I didn't mean to do that, but that's what I was doing. Suddenly, prayer became more real to me. Jesus says to Nicodemus, know that life with God is a dance. It's a moving, changing act of faith. When we reduce our dance with God to a rigid set of forms, we are not being born from above. The doors of our heart are shut and we cannot receive the Spirit of God in the storehouses of heaven because we don't think we need it. We're done. We're equipped. We have the knowledge. We took this to the point where there's a song 
And Tommy would know this because he collects the old songs, Randall and the like. Um, there's a line that says, we know not how the Spirit moves convicting men of sin. We had that changed in our songbook because we'd go through and edit them. Uh, we'd have a, a special after Sunday night service where everybody had to edit the new songbooks that said, we know just how the Spirit moves. Because the preachers would say, no, it's not a mystery. We know it's obedience to Christ and here's the way that works. What arrogance. Done with sincere hearts. Done because we wanted to please God, but it was still arrogant. Here at our Safe Harbor Church, we get this. Many of us did not realize we were close to where God wanted us to go until religious leaders threw us out. And we didn't know what God wanted us to do about getting out of our brick and mortar until God put a virus among us at the same time where you couldn't go in. And then this got started. We had no idea where the Spirit was going to take this and still is taking it. And again, your giving, your generosity is, is the only reason that this has survived. You know, God is bringing people in every week. We... Um, when we first got started, you one of the one of the most common questions I got. I must have gotten this fifty times in the first three weeks, not from anybody in this room, but from people that watched us get tossed out and not run back into another one. They said, "What are you going to have elders? Are you, what, what's your organization? What's it, deacons? What are you, how are you going?" And I kept going, "Nope, nope, nope." We're going to wake up every morning and say, "God, where are we going today?" And we're going to give freedom to everybody to get a different answer. So that if you don't think like I think, you're still welcome. And if God's moving you in a different way, great. We're not going to trump that. Go with God. We're going to allow God to move. We're going to let God speak to a young lady who uh, sermons better than mine, but I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I'm not bitter. All right? That's the thing. <laughs> Jesus teaches the teacher here some very important lessons. Verses 10 through 15. You're Israel's teacher, he said, and you don't get this? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know. We testify to what we've seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. Now, wait a minute. Nicodemus believes that Jesus came from God and he's a rabbi and he's doing miracles. So what, why... Because if you don't remember that, you're going to think, yeah, because they're not accepting Christ. He accepted Christ. So what testimony is Jesus talking about here? He says, no one, I've spoken to you of earthly things that you don't believe. How will you then believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. Everyone who believes. Okay, we gotta, we gotta pull back out here. We got, this is, what is Jesus saying? He's saying, you think you know what kingdom life looks like. Listen to the only person who's been there. Listen to me, he said. You know, I am. This story is a frightening story. It's a confusing story. 
Numbers 21 is where it is. If you want to look, Numbers 21, verses 6 through 9 for the core element there. Uh, God has never really cared much for murmurers and complainers. And he got fed up with them. And he sent snakes among them that if you got bet, you died. And Moses goes to God and says, listen, we understand we did wrong. Help us get rid of the snakes. And God tells them, make an image of a snake and put it high on a pole. And if anybody comes and looks at it, they will live. Do you understand what God just told them to do? Is against the Ten Commandments. It's against both versions of the Ten Commandments found in Exodus. It's against everything the Jews had taught. It's almost as if God said, if I tell you to do something other than I told you before, you still follow me. If I'm going to take you somewhere where you've never been before, you go. Even if you're thinking, I didn't think God liked this. You move. Because you could sit back in your tent and go, well, I got betting, but I'm not going to go see that modern progressive snake on a pole thingy. I'm sticking with the old paths of the Ten Commandments. No, you're dying. That's what you're doing. You're dying. And Jesus said, looking at Nicodemus, saying, all the stuff you've got, all these patterns you've got, all the structure, scaffolding around God that you're trying to build, you need to understand something. I'm doing something different that's going to mess up everything you've got. And you're going to have to be free and move. Think of it this way. <clears throat> you, you really can't hang around Cammie and I more than a couple minutes before you realize I'm crazy about her. And, and always have been. Well, what if we'd started a marriage and I gave her a, a legal pad and a pen and I said, right, we're married. Um, make a list of the things I must do every day to please you and I'll put it in the fridge and I'll just make sure every day I check it off. How long do you think that would have lasted? Bearing in mind, Cammie's American, therefore she has a firearm. How long do you think, I think they're issued at birth, I'm not really sure. How long do you think this would last? Not long. Because a relationship is not a list of rules and outer actions. It is a dance. It is a constantly changing dance. Nicodemus might have thought, might have thought, I'm not going to try to ascribe this to him, but he might have thought he had God figured out, but none of us do. And God may call us to do things that we thought were absolutely forbidden and for which we have scripture to back it up. But do we trust Jesus? He is, John 1, the word of God. And if he says, we're changing things. I've had people scream in response, well, God does not change. Absolutely, he doesn't change. But we need to when we have different situations when we are in a different place at a different time, who told you the Holy Spirit retired in the first century? He's still moving. But you may not feel much from him if you've shut the storehouses of heaven, shut your heart to them, because you're happy with your fatted calf. Will we listen? Or will we open our hearts? Will we receive whatever he gives? Will we go wherever he goes? Throwing away our sheets of paper with the footprints and the dots on them. Just letting go and letting God lead. We're entering into Palm Sunday and Easter. A season 
of impossible things, and yet they happened. This story is particularly apt this time of year. Are we going to believe what one song calls the glorious impossible? Are we going to believe what the world says you cannot believe? And baptism, it's in the story as well. A sign of faith, of loyalty to a rabbi, a sign of cleansing, and it still is. It takes the form in Christian baptism uh, in the earliest days, and we still practice it this way, of death, burial, and resurrection, and immersion, and then a resurrection out of the water. And once again, if you have not been baptized, please consider, especially doing that now, nearing Easter, where resurrection is what we talk about. You will not be marrying yourself to a system, but to a partner, a living, moving, active, wonderful God. And your righteousness will no longer consist in outer things, but in your constant rebirth, your constant renewal from above. So we open our eyes and we say, God, where will you want to go today? And know, as was sung, he is faithful. May God bless you. I'm going to call the Espinosas up at this time, and they'll tell you how we keep this going.